Welcome to No Driving Gloves. I'm Yoda. It is just me on the host side this morning, and I have the uh, lovely and talented Jill Beck on the podcast with us today. Just to give you a little bit of information about Jill, I met her years and years and years ago when she was basically running the operations for Racing for Research. I think I've got that right. And we put together a what we thought was a silly little watch party for the 24 hours of Daytona. During that, because of my involvement and lifelong love for all things behind the steering wheel, behind the steering wheel, I'm pointing to that right now, which works really good on an audio podcast. We had a group of folks come over to the house for this 24 hours of Daytona watch party, which Racing for Research had a beautiful Porsche in the field. I think you were running with the racers group at that time. And we ended up painting up a livery onto a Daytona prototype. That's right. 24 hour event that coincided with the real 24. And we raised a good little chunk of change considering it was just a bunch of folks hanging out in the house. having totally. to <laughs> Anyway. And that's how it was I a very too. cool. It was a very cool concept that really, that produced results as well. Yeah, we do we it do. Again, we, we can definitely do that. And we'll get into what you have going on now and where, Racing for Research has taken, is, yeah. uh, which is crazy. I mean, it's it's crazy and amazing and awesome to see. Meeting you when I met you, you already had such a passion for motorsport. I'm going to let you basically take over. I, this isn't about me. People can listen to me talk all the time. They don't get to listen to you talk all the time on our podcast anyway. So <laughs> tell everybody who you are and how you got your start in not necessarily motorsport, but just where did the vehicular passion come from? (laughs) Well, I suppose it started with my dad. When I was a kid, he would take me to NHRA races and we would, he's a car guy too. He's actually a hot rider. He still uh, works on cars uh, in his retirement. As I got older, I I, uh, had a huge fondness for cars. Spent a lot of time going to races growing up in Southern California. The Long Beach Grand Prix was a, a huge stop. Eventually got into the Porsche Club of America after college. Uh, I guess before that, I should say college, I went to Art Center College of Design in the industrial design department. So I spent my university years with a bunch of car guys <laughs> watching the future car designers of America learn. Um, I went to school at Chip Foos, uh, Franz von Holzhausen, you know, who's at... They were there when you were, they were there when you were there? Yeah, yeah, oh, they wow, were there okay. when I was there. So um, uh, actually, Emile Boré, who's a, you know, he's an artist and does coaching and driving. He's all these guys were in the same time that I was there. So that was kind of cool. Knew Frank Stephenson a little bit and all of these relationships eventually played into this, what we're going to talk about and what this yeah. has all become. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Porsche club. I ended up becoming, me and my family were family of the year in the Porsche club. I ended up on national staff on PCA. That's how uh, children's tumor foundation found me. And that's how racing for research started. They had just started a fundraising program and we're reaching out to car clubs to see if they would support them. And uh, at the time, they didn't know that the disorder that they were fundraising for was something that affected my family. So it was kind of this weird, I random... Didn't that. Yeah, we never, was, got, we never um, got into that. That's, that's, a uh, serendipitous email that I happened to respond to. I just had my daughter. She was two months old. And I responded then. They said, why don't you come to Daytona? So I brought her. Her first uh, race was the 24 hours of Daytona when she was uh, just three months old took her there and the foundation had a great idea, but they had people in charge who knew nothing about motorsport. I uh, went home from that event and thought, you know, 
give me a shot. And I wrote a proposal. I said, give me a shot. Let me run your program. That was my next question. <laughs> my next question was like, did they propose it to you or did you? Yeah. Give me, give me a year. Um, put me on contract. It don't, you know, you don't have to, you know, just pay me some, you know, fair monthly wage and, and let's see if we can get to the end of this. Uh, that first year we raised $300,000 for motorsport for the foundation. Then the next year, I believe is the year I met you. So it started out as just a Rolex 24 effort. Um, when was that? When? Paint the time. 09. Was it 09? That was 09. Okay. Yeah, the first year was 09. Um, okay. 2010. Yeah. So 2010, 2011 is when we met. Okay. Yeah. yeah the first year we were with uh, Farnbacher Lowell's. <laughs> I do and actually then, remember that. Yeah. Um, we, won't, we won't go. We'll just, we're not going to go into that. Yeah. We'll just. Uh, <laughs> fast forward to TRG. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> And then Magnus. And so that, that was a great opportunity, you know, getting into motorsport. And, and obviously I found my passion there, um, not just with the work I was doing, but in the racing period. From when I met you, I, you could tell that you had, had to have either had a background, vehicular background, or like it, it had always been under the surface and it was coming out. Basically, I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know you well enough to know, you know, exactly what, you, what your background was at that time. But Racing for Research, you were one of the first programs that I remember that started tying in the charity aspect to motorsport. There were some before, but you guys really pushed it. Yeah, we we were the first, I would say, that truly was there to raise money. It wasn't about funding a driver in a race car. Right. And our mission was very clear. And I think some of the early days, the challenges was overcoming that stereotype where people thought they were simply, if they donated, they were going to fund somebody's racing. Right which is not, was never the case with us. We ended up ultimately raising nearly $4 million through that program was it really before right? it evolved no. into what it is now. I guess it was like three and a half, four. Yeah. So it, it was a very effective program. Um, ultimately, it became, we kind of created a, a standalone foundation outside of CTF, its own foundation, and it helps to raise or bring children to the track with any disorder. So it became kind of uh, disorder, uh, disorder agnostic. Gotcha. So, so now every, it's, kid, it's, every kid living with a life-changing illness can come to the track. It's broad spectrum. And is that yeah. the Race Day Foundation? Is that what yes, that the Race evolved Day into? Foundation. The Race Day Foundation evolved out of Racing for Research. Yeah. How long ago did that happen? Uh, yeah, it was 2016. And they, okay. uh, they had decided to wrap up that side of things. So it was an opportunity to keep it going. But to open it up, just open the spectrum up to kids who, you know, a lot of times the kids that we were dealing with the CTF were with other children and during treatment who didn't have the same disorder, didn't have NF, they wanted to come to the track too, but obviously we couldn't support them because our mission was specific. Um, Race days allowed us to do that across the spectrum. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's an incredible program. And and the couple times that I've actually been at the track and had some interaction with you guys after our initial deal to see the look on not only the, the children that are, that are affected by this, but the families that are affected yeah. by this. It's a total family thing. You're bringing folks out to a racetrack for an experience that even a lot of race fans have never had that kind of access to a team and the drivers mm-hmm. and the engineers and, and the, you know, being in the paddock and being around the cars and they just light up. Like they absolutely just light up and even, they don't even have to be race fans. It's Most, just a, a lot of times they're not. Most of right. them aren't actually. But when they leave. We make race fans. <laughs> right. <It's awesome. laughs> when they leave, they're, they're, they're hooked. Yeah. Um, yeah well, it's, 
It's amazing. And you can't beat you can't beat when you see the kids. Uh, we used to do very large events, and what we learned uh, and what we've kind of evolved to with race day is that we find that it's the smaller groups are better because you can create a more bespoke experience. We're a little more agile. We can get the kids into places like race control. If you have a giant group, you can't. But now right. with, with the smaller groups, we can get you even more VIP access, like you were talking about, where the average fan never has access. And I can hear the kids talking to me like, "Man, this is so cool." This is such access. We got, this is so VIP. We're having so much fun. And Getting them in race grateful. control at Daytona, the view from up there. No, Bo, actually, Bo Barfield and IMSA has been incredible. He's like, you just tell me whenever you want to bring the kids up. And they awesome. were up in uh, VIR last year, up in the booth there, and they can sit there and watch the whole transition through a, you know, a yellow flag session and or go back to green. And it's kind of a cool opportunity to see how the behind the scenes of racing. Yeah, it's cool insight, and it's exciting to be in that. It's exciting to be in that environment. You yeah. can feel it, you know. And, and, I'm no, sure and the families become kind of addicted themselves, and every year they're like, "Can we come back?" <laughs> right? of, of course. Why? Well, yeah, why not? The Race Day Foundation. How has that impacted you transitioning from running CT, or running the the racing for research side of CTF? Now you have the Race Day Foundation, and you're now a team owner, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. How, how did all of that come no, about? Because it's, it's, <laughs> it's all part of the, I guess, in a lot of ways, the same thing. Um, I, just... I met uh, Compass Racing in 20, I think it was 2011. It was when uh, Ryan Eversley drove for us at, at Daytona in the Porsche. He introduced me to his team owner, uh, Carl Thompson, and asked if he would put the logo on the car. And it was kind of cool because Carl was the first uh, team owner who didn't, asked me to pay him <laughs> to put the logo on the car. Right. It's like, oh, totally, put it on. Fast forward a number of years, and 2016, there uh, became an opportunity to invest in the team and become, to kind of transition. So I took it, and here we are. <laughs> I can't blame you at all. And it's, yeah. watching so how Compass has evolved has just been amazing. Yeah, and, and it's been an interesting ride because, I mean, if you look at the history, 17 years now, it's an incredible team with eight championships, 11 manufacturers championships, uh, 69 wins, over 170 uh, podiums. And it was an opportunity, you know, a team that had started in, with Honda had evolved into, you know, it was a, made a little bit of time. Actually, I think this, this painting was on the Mustang, the one year that they ran the Mustang and GS and then evolved to Audi. But the opportunity with McLaren came along and it coincided with my involvement from an ownership side that we were able to kind of put some pieces together where I had I had, had a connection uh, with a guy at the time, Frank Stephenson, who was the chief designer at the time at McLaren. He had introduced me to the gentleman who became president of McLaren. We were able to kind of hook into them very early in their program when they rolled out the initial GT4 program for 2017 season. That was coincided perfectly with Compass's as we were looking for a, a car, you know, what were we going to shift to? Because there was no, at the time we had the Audi S3, but there was no Audi GT4. So we couldn't do that. And mm. we were looking for a GT4 car and two pieces came together. It's fairly impressive to come together with, with the mark like McLaren in the way that you did. And then seeing that 720, I have yeah. been very fortunate to uh, get behind the wheel of a 720, obviously street car, not the GT car. car. Yeah. The street car is just silly, like in, yeah. in all the right ways. It is so unbelievably amazing. And I, I can't even. And the race car is like another level. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Even, I cannot even cool. imagine. It's, it's a, you know, it looks the same, but it is not the same car. It is a 
it's a bespoke race car. Um, it's proper kit and it, uh, it's actually nine inches wider than the street car. It looks like it's the street car, but if you actually look like the headlamps are you know, 3d printed, they're not the same ones you would get on the street right. car. Um, because they actually don't fit. It all comes apart really fast. It's, it's a fantastic piece of equipment, but it is unlike the GT4, which is really just the 570 taken off the line early and turned into a race right. car. Right. The 720 is from the bottom up a developed bespoke race car. Are y'all are y'all the only ones that have one running GT in North America right now, or is there? Is we it are the only ones in North America running. That's what I thought. Right That's what I thought. Yeah. How is it working with a manufacturer like McLaren? I know that you you're going to have to say it's amazing, uh, but seriously, <laughs> you're, you're you're detached from. Woking, right? You're in the States. You're in California. You're about as far away in the United States as you can get from Woking, England. (laughs) It's it's not right around the corner. And having, you have one or two? Uh, The Clarence, we have four. We have three GT3. Yeah, one one GT3. The 720. Yeah, you have one. There's literally like, if you heard it, (laughs) it's, or if you need, if you need parts, like, how is it, like, how does that work? How does, like, are they really, really responsive? um, They um, partnered with Haas Automotive to be their their at-track support provider. So Haas has a, has a rig that rolls around and supports the GT4s and and the GT3. I mean, obviously, because we're the single GT3, we have a collection of parts that they carry that are right. ours. But, you know, every door, is, like, for example, the doors on the GT4 or GT3, you you actually have to fit them and make sure they fit your car. So these have been, we've got them all sorted. And so if we need it, you can pop them right on and they'll work perfectly. But since it's just us, it's okay. Right. And I think in general, it there are some challenges presented by having the manufacturer overseas. And, and also, I think because McLaren is not, you know, they're not a Porsche, right? As far right. as the... Production. They're not huge. They, they're they, not huge. Yeah, they're, they're not huge. They're amazing, they're, but they're not huge. You know, but I would say that overall, it has been a, a really fruitful partnership for us. They've been great. They The support they give us as far as at-track support for the GT3 has really been incredible. We have an engineer, Rob, who has been on that car. He helped build the car in Woking. Okay. And everything we've ever done with the car, he's been here. Actually, kind of part of the challenge of what's coming up is he can't be here. This will be the first time we're oh going to run that car without him on site. And that's, so, I know that a lot of teams are going to have the same problem, but um, yeah, it's a challenge with the European because of the everything that's going on. We're not able to bring in a lot of the uh, support staff. Are you guys going to go uh, full F one and and do data dumps from trackside over to over to Woking? They're actually we're actually going to have a connection. Imps is working on a internet connection that'll be available to all the teams, so we can be live uh, with our our engineers and in, in the Woking. support. Yeah. That's that's very cool. I, the geek simulation side of me wants to be like, can I see that, please? Yeah, <laughs> and, we've got, well, and we've got a lot. You know, we're doing. We're going to start in, uh, testing actually very soon with them on all those systems to make sure that the communication is clear and that we are doing what we need to on this this end to give them right. the information they need there. Is it going to be a, a live dump? Like, is it literally going to be a, yeah. a live? Okay, wow. Yeah. So it's not going to yeah. be a go out run a session. No. Um, come in. No, my understanding is just it, at this point, we, I mean, I will see what the actual connections are once we're there. Right. But conceptually, yes, it'll be live. Good news and bad news. We go back to racing. It's going to be just the teams. We talked about this a little bit before, uh, before we actually started recording today. I don't know how much you can talk about it or not, but I mean, it's saying it's going to be just the teams when IMSA goes back, 
that's something that everybody knows. Like we're we're not breaking an embargo on that information by saying no, that. no, no. And um, I don't. And the, the the counts are I, a lot of the information is already public. I mean, we we will have limited crew counts, um, fifteen crew members per team, and and we'll be limited to staying within our crew area, meaning that you know, we're not going to close to not not fraternize with the other teams. Um, is it fifteen per team total? No, no matter per, how many per, car, no, per, per car. car. Okay, thank God. I was like, what? There's a lot of logistics to work out. Uh, and so we'll, I'm sure, get back to us and provide us with all the information we need. But it, it's going to be a very different <laughs> take yeah. on it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it, it, where I was going with that was from a data transfer standpoint, at least it won't be like, you know, race goes live and all of your bandwidth is immediately sucked out of the building. Um, no, apparently like, this is something IMSA has been working on is is, is providing and uh, basically a pipe for the teams to yeah. work within and allocating uh, bandwidth to each team. We'll see how that works. It, they say that it was something that they've been working on. Um, so it was fortuitous timing that they had already had this kind of in pipe. Yeah, that's very cool. Because, right, I mean, you're, you're going to need that. You're definitely going to need that to be able to, oh, yeah. to, be able to, to access that engineer and, and know that they are getting, uh, you know, proper data in real time. That's, that's huge. That's, that's, yeah. And McLaren it's everything, was but very, it's a lot. Yeah. McLaren was very early. And, you know, once everything started to go down, we got uh, communication from them uh, this, that, you know, realizing that they probably wouldn't be able to travel. Right. Uh, that you know, cool thing with being, being with McLaren though, you've got their, at their F1 expertise in that area is already online, right? Like it like, literally, they've been doing that for, forever like ever since there's been broadband they have to just translate it to automotive you know because right. automotive and f1 are two different entities within the organization and so sure. but yes they certainly have a under the under the roof there's people who know how to do these things they have a better understanding um, than teams that haven't been involved in that real-time transfer and yeah that's, so that's, I, I, that's a cool I, thing yeah they they've got some systems set up and i it'll, i'm sure it'll be a learning uh, experience for everybody <laughs> yeah it's it's gonna be different I, if the alternative is i can't race this is We'll figure it out. We'll make it work. Totally. We'd rather be on track. All of us would. You know, it's, it, yeah. coming from the simulation background that I, that I come from, um, I've been enjoying the the rise of simulation over the over the you know, past several sure. months and, and being able to actually get track time, whether it's virtual or, or real. You know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take I'll take wherever I can get it. Right. And I have seen that you guys are actually have been involved in the the IMSA yeah. uh, virtual. Well, it's opportunities. I mean, we have we have a great sponsor in Richard Neal. The opportunity to try to at least make make use of the the simulations and then put delivery on the cars and see if we can at least give them some value while we were sure while the cars were parked uh, was certainly worthwhile and and something we were keen to do. I mean, we've been actually really fortunate. The GT three. Um, in Assetto Corsa, they've actually, um, or I'm sorry, Assetto Competition, they uh, have put our livery in there, project cars, uh, the livery will be in there already also. So we've kind of got all these different. I've actually, I've, I've run it in project cars. I haven't run it in Assetto. Oh, have you? Uh, yeah. I was just yeah. sending you a screenshot. I think our, G, our GT4 is uh, from the one that won Daytona this year is also in there. I'll definitely. Or I'll, in 2019, I'll, I'm sorry. I will screenshot that and shoot it over to you the next time. I, that would be afraid. Great. I'll probably hang out, <laughs> hang up, and and go run a couple laps just because I can. Yeah. Um, it's uh no, it's it's uh, seeing that that crossover between the digital world and the sports car world, yeah. and 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 it sort of it's always been there. Uh, you know, for the past twenty years, for I've sure. been involved in in motorsport simulation, but 
I hate that what happens is the catalyst for it coming to Fox sports and, and seeing that, that big push. I, I hate the reasons behind it, but I love the fact that it happened. I have to ask you being on the front lines um, and having a, you know, a professional real world sports car team that's competing in these digital IMSA events. Did you get the uh, exposure for sponsors and for the team? And, and did, did, was it what you thought it was going to be? Or is I watched the events and I thought they were epic. They were fun. I mean, I think that especially the first few rounds of it definitely were uh, beneficial to our, our sponsors. They had great coverage. I mean, I think they were looking at like 91,000 yeah. uh, viewers, um, which is great for especially if people are so hungry for anything right. at that point. Right. And you know it's targeted. Um, That's the cool thing. It's yeah. ninety one thousand people that that truly want to be there, and they're truly interested. Yeah, in what's exactly. Going on. Yeah. Um, so, and uh, for from our perspective, any exposure for our sponsors, for our team, for our cars, for our drivers is better than where we were, and we're grateful for the opportunity. Is it the same? It's totally different. It's not. Yeah, the it's same. not. There's gonna, no it's smells, not. There's no sounds. It's. I'm super impressed with the quality of the. Um, the simulations, the track. I mean, you see the cracks in the, the tarmac and the, the fillers and all the different little things that you know are there from being there in person. So that's kind of cool. How about the broadcast? Like the, that's one thing that's always blown me away about sim racing at the higher levels is the broadcast with the overlays and the camera changes. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy. It's real. It's super cool. That part of it is is mind blowing to me. It also shows you how important having a good broadcaster is because there were obviously a lot of different thing, a lot of different series happening um, at different times, and I felt yeah. like the IMSA broadcast was top of the bunch. It totally was. It yeah. totally was. I mean, it. You have to have someone who's knowledgeable about what's going on in the real world, but can also speak to the things that are that are different. You know, it's it's simulation. It produces some different feedback and it produces different scenarios like i've always said that if you get a disconnect like every once in a while you'll be driving along and someone just blinks out they're they're gone right. in the digital world i call that an engine failure <laughs> you know it's it's literally it's, it it's, happens. it's yeah it's the digital equivalent of of an equipment failure in, in the real world and and it stuff stuff happens and you just roll with it and deal with it um when are you going? When are you getting back to the track? Let let folks know when you're getting back to the track. What yeah, you're bringing, we're we're back on track um, July third. July third, so super exciting, and we'll I guess a month from today we will that's, be racing again. That's tomorrow. Yeah, it's basically tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, we are super excited to be on track to have the opportunity to run the GT3 at Daytona, which we didn't think we'd have the opportunity till the 24 next year. So it was kind of a bonus for us. Um, great for our sponsors. They're thrilled. Great for the manufacturer who's been so keen to have uh, a McLaren GT3 at Daytona. It's going to be epic. I, I, yeah. I can't even imagine what it's like to get into that race car because the street car is, I think it's the de facto supercar right now. Like I, it, I've, from what I've driven over the last couple of years, there's been nothing that I've gotten into that was as nice as far as fit and finish that was so capable. And I do get, I, I have an invite and I'm going to go ahead and say this right now, Philip Eggers, you're the man. Thank you so much. Um, he's going to let me take it out on Barber uh, later this oh, year. Oh, great. And uh, that'll be a fun track with it. It's not going to stop. It's not going to suck. <laughs> That's super fun. That I know, <laughs> but that car, like it, when you put it in race mode, and the yeah. dash transforms. It translates. The street car. 
So cool. Oh my, I got goosebumps just talking yeah. about it. It is no, the it's coolest, a spaceship. Yeah, it is. It's the coolest thing. And I can't, like I said, I can't even wrap my brain around it. And you get to walk by that thing constantly. Do you sleep it's in it? You miss it when you can't use, <laughs> when you can't hear it on track. <laughs> right. It's like every other day I'd be like, just fire it up for about. Yeah, we haven't been able to, I mean, she hasn't been on tracks, you know, since uh, we did testing at uh, Sebring and Road Atlanta right before everything went down. So the early March, and that was the last time she's been out. Can you talk about lap times during the test? Or, or will you talk about lap times during the test? <laughs> We're happy. Okay. <laughs> We're right. I have to ask, I have to ask, just especially Road Atlanta. I, I've spent way too much time at Road Atlanta in mm-hmm. my life over the years. I, I'm just, I'm in love with that place. I love Sebring. I love it's the, a good way to shake a car out, literally. Literally, yeah. It's a good way to shake the fillings out of your teeth and the kidneys out of your body. Yeah, and yeah it's uh, that's an interesting facility that just – it keeps getting worse, but then it's better for what you want to use it for because it's getting worse. <laughs> right. It's, as far as a shakedown goes, like everybody's like the, – the bumps are terrible, yeah, but they, they serve a purpose. We had uh, um, one of the McLaren factory drivers from Europe, Ben Barnicote, with us um, at at both events, um, and he'd never driven the tracks here. And he was like, "These are proper old school tracks. We have nothing like this in Europe." And it's he was like, "This is an incredible way to really truly shake this car out." And the information they gathered from our tests will inform the entire fleet of GT3s awesome. around the world. That's yeah. really that's awesome to hear. That's really awesome to hear. Just Sebring, I, I I know a lot of people describe it as as incredibly bumpy. I like to say that Sebring has more elevation change than any other track on the planet. It just happens about a half an inch at a time. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's, just, <laughs> it's, it's a washboard. So you're going back to the track in July, going yeah, back to Daytona. It's going to be um, very busy July. GT4 and GT3 that weekend? Or the, just first ra- no, the first race is uh, just the weather tech, uh, so okay. no GT4. And okay. then um, our GT4 is actually, we've, we've redeployed them to SRO for the season, so we're focusing okay. solely on GT3 and IMSA so we can give this car all of our attention. Excellent. Excellent. And any testing between now and then, or is it all focused on Daytona? No, we're actually, there's a testing ban right now. There's a uh, testing ban right now, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's but we're, we've already we've done our testing for the year. We already used our days, so we're okay. good. Okay, all right. Let's let's switch gears a little bit. And, and what what does Jill have in Jill's garage that she <laughs> loves? Like, what what are you daily driving right now? And what is the? Do you own your dream car right now, or are you are you playing? I around? do. I'm happy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> My crush <crosses. laughs> Well, we have um, as as a you know just to, I guess, emphasize our full commitment to the brand, there's a, there is a 570S in the garage. Oh, poor you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's an interesting car to take out. And because, you know, a lot of people, you, we're very, very, very fortunate to do what we do. I mean, we get to do, be at the track when, you know, so many people would just love the moment just one moment to be there, let alone do it as often. as The other do. side of that though, is a lot of people look outside looking in and I get this a lot with what I do. You don't yeah. really work. You, you don't like, I yeah, literally right. I hear I it all it's the a, time. It's you a don't junket. Work, right. You don't really, you don't really work at all. It's that is not true. The, the, oh, I no. know that where you were to where you are now, you have never stopped working to get to where you are now. No, it's, and it's a lot of work and it's weird hours. I mean, we, we can be on the road 25 
weekends or more a year um, because it's not just we don't just do the professional racing we do track events uh, locally we support we do track uh, race prep for people like they had a sent a GTR in the shop and did some race prep for the customer and took the car out there um, you know out, out to uh, that was a spring mountain in Nevada it's nonstop. It's and like it's crazy. You have to talk to England. You got to get you got to get up and deal with the hours and the the, right. the you know the time changes. Um, our crew is spread out all over the country, so we are. There's really no time that we're not working. Honestly, yeah. this this team is always on. Yeah, and and, they, and you have to be, especially to to perform at the level that you're performing at. I mean, you you have to be. You it is nonstop because but, a, a lot of excuse me, a lot of folks outside looking in, they assume that it's just the money just appears. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it doesn't. It, they, I mean, yeah. but a lot of, you know, like I'm just talking outside looking in folks that yeah. haven't been involved in, they look at some, at, you know, a team that has, you've got a fleet of McLarens. The money just appears and, and they it just, it takes a lot of work. Materialize. You know, it's, it, cultivating it's, sponsors, cultivating drivers. Um, that is a, that's a, massive undertaking and it's nonstop. Yeah. You never get to rest on your laurels because it's it's you know everything it you know, one to two year chunks and so then you need to keep bringing in uh new people and getting new folks excited to race. And you're doing a you're doing a hell of a job of it. And you have I mean you have since I met you you've done a hell of a job with, uh, <laughs> Thank with you. it. I I am so grateful because I get to do what I love and in an environment um that is just honestly everything I ever dreamed of and I get to also help other people and give families the opportunity to have a day away from dealing with their uh, illnesses whatever it is the challenge that their that family's uh, facing it, I've been able to have these two pieces and continue that for over a decade now in professional uh, sports car racing that's pretty darn cool that's not easy to do Congratulations on that achievement. It's no, it's truly not easy. I just think I'm just I'm so grateful for it. I get to introduce my my daughter, the the one who was the baby, is now uh, she'll be 13 That's cool. in a few months, and she is she's great. She has her own little coffee business that she runs at the racetrack, and she has she has the bug too. So it's pretty cool. Keep it in the family. Yeah, nothing, exactly. Nothing like I can't think of a, a better way to actually wrap this up than to keep going with where you were just going with the, the all encompassing and, and the, the race day foundation. And I want to give you the opportunity to uh, tell folks where they can find the race day foundation. I know you're, you're all over social, you're all over the web um, and how folks can get involved with that and anyone else that you would like to thank for basically being a part of race day or compass. I'm just really, really blown away with what you've achieved and and well, thank you knowing you a decade ago and you know taking the time to come on with us today it's just really cool to see how it's evolved jill i i've really yeah it is i'm really proud of race day it's a it's a a cool foundation we're still young um as far as nonprofits go but we are growing and we have the opportunity to continue to bring families, uh, children and parents and siblings out to the track and give them an experience. And, and while they're dealing with something at home that is unimaginable, we can give them a wonderful experience that they can go home and, and look back on. And maybe they make a connection with a driver or a team and it gives them you know, when they're in the hospital, they can have their iPad and watch a race. And, and that is um, something I am forever grateful for. Uh, racedayfoundation.org 
is our website. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We actually have a cool watch for next week. We're going to have a, an announcement of a fundraising initiative uh, that will, has just launched. Um, we'll be on the Torque Show with Justin Bell, who's one of our uh, board members, um, and uh, Tommy Kendall. And uh, that will be on Thursday the 11th. We'll have some interesting announcements about that. But the, this is an ongoing effort to raise funds so we can bring as many kids as we can to the racetrack. Perfect. So you you heard her, and we will put some links up when the show goes live. We'll put some links okay. up. To the yeah, that'd be great. I, well. It's it's and a it's a mission that is close to our hearts, and we're grateful for the support of the series that continue to help us bring kids to the track. IMSA has been fantastic. SRO has been fantastic. We have a number of partners. Uh, the sponsors on the race team are also supportive of the foundation, as are the drivers. And the foundation is funded by the motorsport community which is an incredible thing. That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. Uh, Jill, thank you so much for your time. We've been talking to Jill Beck. Uh, she is the uh, the founder of the Race Day Foundation and the team principal, and I'm just going to go ahead and say owner of Compass Racing. And congratulations I'll, on that. If I can, I will correct you. I'm not correct me. Principal. Correct me. Carl Thompson's the team principal. Team, okay. Team director. You're the managing you. director. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not even going to say semantics. I just said it. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, I mean, if there's something that needs to be done, I would imagine you do it. Yes. All of that's, it. You, that's the way race, yeah, the that's whole, the way race things work. Yeah. It's literally like, who's going to do that? It doesn't matter. Just get it done. No. <laughs> it's, yes. That, yep. it, that's exactly what we're, we're doing our new opening our, in the process of opening our new facility here in Southern California. And yes, if it needs to be painted or cleaned, we do it. There you go. Which is beautiful, by the way. I can't wait to see more pictures yeah, of that. Yeah, it's very exciting. It's, can't wait to have you out. It's, I would love to be able to come out there. When things open back up, we definitely need to uh, figure out how to... Uh, yeah, you can do a broadcast from do another. Yeah, do another cool. event together. It would be amazing. Yeah, um, that'd be fun. We're talking uh, about having a race day event there as well, so it can be maybe something like that. Yeah, we'd love to. We'd love to. Um, I'm going to stop the recording here and... Okay. And thank you so much for listening to No Driving Gloves. This has been Yoda with Jill Beck of Compass Racing and the Race Day Foundation. I hope you enjoyed everything that she had to say. Please go check out the Race Day Foundation and support that unbelievable cause that brings children and their families. These children are going through just life-altering illnesses, and they're bringing these children and these families out to the racetrack and giving them a day that is just fun you know just they're out there having a good time and it they might not even be race fans but they leave race fans because of what jill and that team is doing over at race day foundation uh thank you so much for following along on no driving gloves facebook page you can find us on apple and google uh wherever fine podcasts are downloaded and we really appreciate everybody following along on the no driving gloves social thank you so much for listening today and we will be back shortly with more podcast goodness Y'all have a great one. We'll talk to you soon.